All right, I want to welcome you to the first 2020 episode of the Modern Connection podcast. I'm your host, Steve Dean, and I want to quickly just go into why I started this podcast and what I'm looking forward to doing for the coming year. Um, I've been in the dating industry for the last 10 years, and this means I've been on over 250 different dating apps, dating across over 25 cities coaching people for their dating lives, consulting for the industry when it comes to like building new dating apps or updating existing ones. I yell at founders a lot when they introduce features that I know are going to fail or at least cause the app to fail. Um, I overall just really want to see people get into better relationships, have better dating outcomes, experience less frustration and anxiety. So I've been really excited to work in this industry and One of the things I learned having jumped around a bit early on after college uh, across different industries, I focused on recruiting in the beginning. Uh, One of the things I learned is that there are a lot of overlaps between the dating world, the recruiting world. Um, Basically, anytime you're trying to form new relationships, get to know people, potentially ask them to commit to something like starting a monogamous relationship per se, starting an employer relationship, even just starting a friendship, uh, you could even be starting a living relationship where you're living together as roommates um, or as co-founders if you want to build a startup. So many of these relationships that we form in modern society are very much overlapped in terms of both the way we form them and the nature of how we structure these commitments. You know, we have marriage contracts, we have employment contracts, we have housing contracts and leases. Um, and there's also, you know, the emotional work that goes into building a healthy relationship and shoring it up against any sudden shocks or scares. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And I wanted to come up with a podcast that would allow for me to go into each of these different kinds of relationships, each of these, um, different fields and really unpack how do we form these relationships? What are the best practices? Who's doing it right? Who has some really good insight? And in this particular episode, I sat down with Laurie Gerber. And Laurie's, uh, actually, she's from my college. Uh, She graduated before I did, but we share an alma mater. Uh, We connected just about a year ago. And Laurie's been coaching people for over 15 years now. She works with the Handel Group, and she's been doing a combination of life coaching, relationship coaching, marriage coaching. Um, She's one of the top coaches in New York, and when I first sat down to talk with her, I was blown away because she essentially coached me, and as someone who also coaches others, it was certainly a mind-opening experience because when coaches get coached, you know, there's... It's it's weirdly not redundant. I, I actually... I think the beauty of coaching is that it's just so nice to have someone else's perspective, someone holding space for you, prodding you a bit, challenging you on things that you say they're obviously bullshit, lies you've been telling yourself, things like that. And Laurie has a special knack for really not getting under the skin, but just like poking you where you need to be poked and making sure that you're not lying to yourself, that you're you know being as honest as you possibly can. And she calls it like she sees it. Um, so... In the past, she's been speaking through, she does public speaking events. She's done a TEDx in Brooklyn. Um, She actually also does some online coursework as well. Uh, So I've been actually, I'm really excited to share. uh, There's an online course that the Handel Group just debuted for 2020 called Inner You. And I have a discount code that they offered for all the listeners of the Modern Connection podcast. So I'm excited to share that. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so before I start the episode, I just want to give you a quick overview of like, what the kind of fun things we talked about. Because when a coach talks to another coach, then it, I, I didn't want it to get redundant, and it didn't. I, honestly, like, I, I, was, I think when you see how we try to pick apart each other's brains, our own philosophies, uh, I think you'll take a lot away from this episode. Um, one of the things that we really focused on as two people who have both done a lot of work with people's relationships... Uh, marriages, love life, um, we unpacked like what's the differences between our coaching styles? What's the differences between how, like our theory of the case 
Why do we get into relationships? Why and how do we get out of relationships? Um, Laurie has an entire method that is practiced by the Handel Group, and she swears by it. And I actually got a free coaching session through them, and I was I was blown away. Um, and I honestly am really excited to keep talking with them. Um, and honestly, like my method's a little bit different. Um, theirs follows a you know like they they have their own PDF they'll send you ahead of time that asks you really deep questions. Uh, and they were ones that it literally took me probably two, three days to go through it because it's like unpacking your whole life. What is it that, um, really makes you tick? And obviously it, it won't take that long for everyone. I just, I tend to you know take forever when I'm going into a lot of depth on all the different in- intricacies of life. Um, and maybe you will too, but it, it was such a fun process. Whereas on, on my hand, when I'm talking with my coaching clients, uh, my approach is a lot more, um, I'd say startup-y in nature. Uh, I quickly try to ascertain what's the core problem here, how do we get you testing out new solutions for it, um, and how do we bring in the community, get more of your your friends, your lovers, people like that involved so that this becomes a you know a full team effort. So we're going to discuss some of our differences there. Um, one of the core things we try to answer is how do you find your person? So you know, no matter what relationship it is, how do you find that person? How do you even define who that person might be, what they might look or feel or sound like? Um, another fun thing that Laurie introduces during this podcast is uh, a thing that she called a love history chart. And so it's basically like going through all of your past relationships and identifying things that work, things that didn't work. Um, it's almost like a vision board for past and future relationships. And I, I just love that practice. Um, and then there's some things we actually talked about that don't really have answers. So it could be like when you're trying to form a relationship that's kind of untenable. It's one that you really believe in the person, but your situation's kind of screwed. Uh, and then other things like what role sex plays in the early stages of dating. Uh, we definitely have some differences of opinion on that, so stay tuned for those. Um, so yeah, without further ado, I want to introduce Laurie Gerber to the Modern Connection podcast. So I'm welcoming Laurie Gerber to the Modern Connection podcast. Uh, hey, how's, how's it going? Going very well. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting. I've been floored ever since you first reached out as a fellow Swarthmore alumnus. Uh, it's been great to find other Swatties around the city. Uh, it's rare that I find them in New York. Um, but today I'm really excited to have you on because I want to talk about how we find our people. And so, you know, Modern Connection, in past episodes, we've talked about how to specifically connect with someone. We've talked about how to use online dating apps. But in this particular episode, and with you as the guest, uh, you've been doing quite a bit of life coaching in your time, many, many years, if not, I guess, decades now. Uh, And that includes, according to you, head, heart, and hoo-ha. So in terms of what it is that people might be going through as they're trying to find out what to do next in life, who they want to be either meeting or loving or marrying, um, who they want to become themselves. You have a lot of insight into this, and I'm excited to pick your brain about exactly how you think through this process of how we find our people and who we have to become in the process of doing that. Um, So I want to kind of dive right in and just let's start off with... um, Kind of, first of all, your central thesis, what, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what is it that you would say is like the core thing people would want to keep in mind when they're navigating, like, who's my person? How do I get there? And after you answer that, then we'll go into like, why you came up with this as your thesis. Well, I have to give credit where it's due, which is to the Handel Method and to Lauren Handel Zander, whom I found about 15 years ago when I was trying to figure out what I wanted from my life. Uh, turns out she was teaching this thing called the Handel Method at MIT and Harvard and Yale and Columbia and NYU. And now we teach it at Swarthmore too, which is fun. Um, so we teach this method far and wide. And so it, it has become important, especially as we work with academics to codify it and to come up with really specific concepts, philosophies, methods, exercises, and tools that work universally. So I'm I'm hoping to get to share some of that. And and I, I can't say that I invented it. I can only say that I've been teaching it for the past 15 years or so, and that it seems to really work, um, regardless of the age or the geographical 
uh, demographics, this seems to be some universal stuff, which is that when people are looking for love and also for friendship and career and all those other wonderful areas of life, in order to be fully satisfied, they have to be able to satisfy their head, their heart, and their hoo-ha, which Mash.com calls their heat. Okay. So the head, the heart, and the heat. What are those three H's? The head is your logic, your practicality. Does this work for my life? If I live in New York and he wants to live in Timbuktu, that's not going to work. You know, for me, I wanted to make sure I raised kids in New York City. I wanted to raise my kids Jewish. I didn't have to marry a Jew, but I wanted to raise my kids Jewish. So that was very important to my head. Then there's heart. Heart is that feel, the feeling. What do you want to feel? I want to feel connected, cared for, trusted, uh, you know, everything to do with the kind of person you want to be with and how you want to feel when you're with them. And that is different for different people. Some people need goofy. Some people need soulful. Some people need serious. Some people need a lot of attention. Some people need a lot less attention. So that's heart. And then hoo-ha is the attraction, the chemistry, the heat. And many people f- seem to forego that thinking it's shallow only to find later that that really bites them in the ass. So. <laughs> So, and we think that that, again, those three ages can be extrapolated to what you're looking for when you want to find a new home or when you want to find a new city to live in or when you want to find a new outfit or a job or whatever it is. So it's, it's a kind of universal concept, but we all seem to sort of forget it when those ages are arguing in our head for dominance. And have you ever come across any things that fall outside the three ages where you're like, oh crap, oh crap, we need to... <laughs> we need to develop them. <laughs> Well, there is one more H called the hunt, right? The hunt is the actual practice of employing these three H's while you're looking for something. And you, you know, you brought up this wonderful topic in one of your blogs about being, looking, looking for love or dating being a lot like entrepreneurship where you really have to, you're on a hunt, you're, you have a job, you're, you're on a mission, you're trying to do something and it requires, you know, structures and attention and spirit and and all the things that it would require an entrepreneur to be successful. So I don't know if there's anything outside of the H's. If you, if you can come up with something you think is, you know, something you feel is important in a relationship, I could probably categorize it by one. But I don't know, no one's ever tried to challenge it before. Ooh. All right. Well, maybe we'll get there over the course. I think we'll get there. Um but let, let's go into like what brought you into the realm of life coaching. What was your like your first memory of being really excited about helping someone out and guiding them through what's next? Well actually I used to fantasize about it as a teenager being someone who could help families with their dysfunction. I don't know what in the world made me think I had a right to fantasize that or want to do that except for that I wanted my own family to be happy, so you know selfishly I thought about that, but I hired Lauren Uh, to coach me because I hit my young thirties. And though I had checked off many boxes in my life and had two kids and a cute husband and a not that overweight body and a decent career in business for myself, I wasn't actually happy or fulfilled. Really. I was not pursuing my dreams in career. I was certainly not being the best wife I could be. I was addicted to sugar and I was exhausted all the time to mention a few things. So I got very inspired when I looked over at my friend Lauren who was my friend at the time and happened to be just beginning this company. And she had, she just had a joie de vivre that I could not deny. And she had all the same demographics as I did, except she was excited and buoyant and out to make the world better and still fuck her husband and take care of her children and take care of her body and sleep at night and all those things. So at the time I was running a tutoring company, helping kids do better academically very, a very good post Swarthmore thing to do. And it just wasn't fulfilling because I, w- I was watching people still fail to take care of one another on the deepest of levels, right? I was still watching um, parents pressure their children, make their children proxies, children manipulate their parents and retaliate against their parents and rebel against their parents and all the shenanigans of relationships. And I felt powerless to actually intervene. Because I had no right. I was just an educator. I wasn't the, you know, somebody who had any knowledge of human relationships. So after working with Lauren for a while, it became obvious that I wanted to really teach what she was teaching me. And so I have been doing that for the last 15 years. Oh, man. And so you started off as like the guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And 
how long did it take when you first got started for you to begin noticing the, I guess, transformative effects where you suddenly started finding a little bit more alignment with who you wanted to be or who you wanted to be with? Steve, unfortunately, like embarrassingly, it was almost almost immediately that I started seeing major changes and indelible changes. And why I said that was embarrassing is because I had already done approximately between 10 and 20 years of personal growth, self-help, therapy, gurus, courses, books. I lived in an ashram. I started taking Tai Chi when I was 11. I had done so much coursework and so much work on myself to not get these results. And then within about two to four weeks with Lauren, everything changed because she actually forced me to say what I cared about most, which nobody had ever really been interested in. Um, because in therapy, the focus was on my history and my past and my sadness. And in group programs, it was about the rah-rah, you know, whatever the method was, whatever the, the teaching was, it wasn't about me and my personal truth. So she got me to deal with my personal truth about what I wanted. She argued ruthlessly with my mind. She would not believe a thing I said if it was not in alignment with my dreams and my ideals. And she did not have any problem with saying that's stupid. Stop thinking that that's not a good thought. And I couldn't argue because she was right. And her thought was better. And then she held me to account, which nobody else had ever done. She said, go have that conversation with your husband. Report back to me in a week. Stop Mm -hmm. eating sugar. Report to me every day. You know, simple accountability on things that I was never going to get around to, even though I knew it was the right thing to do. And so I saw results almost immediately. And I couldn't argue with that the result was because of that three-pronged formula of admit what you really want, call your, call your thoughts BS if they're not in alignment with it, and take the right action and account for it. Oh, Magic. And, and so do you think that accountability really is a critical step? Because I've noticed in my own personal development journey that there are just so many avenues you can take there are so many different even categories of personal development. There's like bio, psycho, social, spiritual, uh, professional, and like it just keeps going. And each of those could be a lifetime of work. And every time you try to do like an all hands on deck approach where you want to, you know, you don't want to miss any critical categories of like how to become a better, more effective, more functional, more happy person. But as soon as you start delving into one, the other ones typically will fall by the wayside. And so when it comes to accountability, you know, if even if you feel like you're doing really well on one, it can be nerve wracking to not know whether you're being properly accountable in other areas. So I guess, is, is it really helpful to have that, that life coach to really help you stay accountable? It's crucial for anyone. And it doesn't have to be a life coach, obviously, right? It can be mm-hmm. anyone. Obviously, life coaches are, you know, expert at it and really good at it. And if you pay money, you're more likely to follow directions. But it's... um it really is, it's, it, it is about prioritizing mm-hmm. it, because you're right. There are endless choices of what you could focus on and call it the most important thing, right? Most people are making choices all day based on ideals, good ideals, you know, but not the highest ideals, right? So the, the, the profundity for me of the Handel method and, and also the fact that we like to rate things, like we literally numerically rate things and we make charts and we make it all very scientific is that it points you to what's most important when there's so much noise and distraction. So it really was, I came in because I wanted help with my career. I wanted to figure out how to transition out of my business into another one, but she zeroed right in on, no, you're going to start having you're going to stop eating sugar. You're going to see what that does to your intimacy level and your relationship with your husband. We're going to get your kids sleeping through the night. So you can't blame being tired and you have energy the next morning and then we'll deal with your career. Right? So she went for the highest level Mm -hmm. stuff that was in my way. And she wasn't, she didn't care if I didn't come for that. Right? (laughs) Like It wasn't. So you really do have to go for the promises and the accountability in the areas that are the most important and will be the highest leverage change for you. You can't, we can't afford to get distracted and people really do get distracted, right? Like they get super distracted working on what picture to put on their profile, but they forget they actually don't believe in love. It's not happening. So we have to focus on the most important aspects of what blocks you. Mm -hmm. And I guess even identifying that does take it, it either takes a very deep and intuitive understanding of oneself, which is pretty hard to come by these days, or it can take, I guess, some of the wisdom of 
maybe someone who's coached dozens or hundreds or more people through exactly these kinds of life decisions. And also exercises, physical. I, I never understand how life coaching works if you're not giving people gobs and gobs of written assignments. You know, again, mm, yeah. piloting this all on MIT students. It, if you're not doing the writing, it's not writing's not the same as thinking or talking. Writing and making charts for things is so illuminating in a way that thinking about it or talking to a therapist just is never going to be. So part of how people discover what's most important is through these literal physical exercises, not just the expertise of the coach or their mm-hmm. own insights. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, you brought up talking to a therapist. And I'm actually, as someone who has a therapist and who knows many life coaches and may or may not have, I don't pay any life coaches at the moment, but it's definitely a thing where I I keep wondering, what kinds of things would you say get relegated to the realm of therapy versus to the realm of life coaching? Because I've talked to my therapist about business related things and career related things. I feel like way more than I ever should have relative to strictly emotional things. And I'm curious what your general you know, how, how you would differentiate like the utility or the value of a life coach versus a therapist and whether they should both stack nicely together. We could spend hours on this alone, but suffice to say, it depends on the therapist, of course, and it depends on the life coach, of course. One of the main distinctions of the Handel method is we do not have the kind of boundaries that therapists have. We are giving you opinions. We are telling you what to do. We certainly, we ask you how you feel about things and what happened to you in your childhood and all the things that you might typically do at a therapist appointment, but it's a very different relationship. It's much more a relationship of peers. Mm-hmm. The other thing we do is we tell all about our own story. We're always telling you what we lied about and what we failed to do and what, you know, the triumphs and tribulations that we've been through because we believe in that, right? We believe in being side by side with you and being human with you and having a real relationship with you. Uh, it, again, we also do not specialize in or treat mental health issues, right? That's what that's what therapists are really specialists at is dealing with mental health issues. And that's not our purpose or our um, expertise. And I would say, finally, we're just a lot more action oriented and results oriented. You know, we're taking measurements, we're giving you written homework assignments, you know, there's just a lot more to do in coaching than there would be in most therapy, um, at least in the handout methods coaching. Yeah. I think maybe that's what scared me off to life coaching at times where I know that therapy is a thing where that occupies like maybe an hour a week, an hour a month. And the idea of inviting an extra like, oh, not only is it this hour check-in, but that's going to come with six hours of additional homework. And you're going to have to fit that in somewhere because you're going to have a call in the next week to check in on you. So that that's something I've been intimidated by. Is all that homework is things that you want to do and wish you would do. It's not, you know, busy work. But yes, it is. There is a barrier to entry for coaching that does not exist in therapy. Mm-hmm. All right, so let, let's switch gears because I want, I want to dive in now, now that we have a little sense of your background and what excites you about this, like these methods and how to you know get better over time. Um, but let's touch on our, our core topic. Like how do you find your person? Uh, if someone comes to you, is there like a, a, maybe a thought process you go through as someone says like, I'm single, I don't really know what I'm doing, what to do, what should be done. Like what lights up in your brain at that moment when someone pitches the problem? And let's say just the problem is the, gen- we'll start with a relatively generic one, just like, and I, I, but it's not generic in that I hear this all the time from people, you know, whether they're online dating or offline dating, uh, whether they've been single forever or are been in multiple relationships and are now still trying to find the right one. People always have this thought of just like, who is right for me and how do I find them and how do I make that thing happen? I, I would say it's among the top two reasons people come to coaching. That oh, and- cool. And that same question, but for career, mm-hmm. you know, on some level. So the first thing we want to do is look at the past and really understand the patterns. So the first chart, you know, I keep talking about these charts and these assignments. The first chart we have people do is their love history. Mm-hmm. Anyone they ever loved or dated down one, you know, the Y axis. And then across the top, how long did it last? Why did you get together? Why did you break up? Who broke up with whom? cheating, lying, et cetera. And then head, heart, and hoo-ha rating. What, you know, what was, what, what happened there? What was the deal? And I'm telling you, I have got people who have been in therapy for years or who even have been in coaching for years. And then they do that assignment and they look at it in a chart. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I always picked the fixer upper or half were addicts and half were ugly. 
right? Or, oh, I go from safe to crazy dangerous. Or I've never told anyone the truth. I've cheated on every single one. Or I've been cheated on by every single, or whatever it is. You can, somehow we can tell ourselves we're original and, you know, diverse when we're not looking at the chart. Yeah. And I guess in, in your case, I think you're, you mentioned earlier before we started recording, like our your clients tend to be in an older demographic uh, and that we were, you were curious about how this might apply to the younger one. Because even when you describe like your past relationships, um, how long did they last? I don't know that a lot of like Gen Z and millennial uh, right. folks are even measuring relationships by how long they last because they're lucky if they can get it to be called a relationship at any point. A lot of time you're just casually seeing someone, you're hoping they text back, you're wondering when they will become a ghost or a zombie, you know? <laughs> so I'm curious like right. whether that's like an entirely new paradigm that has to, that's like just that you've noticed starting to creep up where people don't have the same ability to even assess the data because the data itself is shifting. I think that's right. I think there's a, a lot more people who are not in relationships, you know, the way I would uh, categorize a relationship because there is this feeling of fast moving, lots of choices, lots of, you know, that there, there is less of a feeling of a need to, um, to actually pursue one thing at a time. But, but yet I think people still yearn for that. So, you know, I think the majority of people still really yearn for that. And though there's so many benefits of having thousands of choices at your fingertips at any given moment, there are also those disadvantages of where you feel like, well, you know, the next swipe could be better, you know, or the next person could be better. Why don't I just keep shopping? So I do think that is, I, I can understand that as a trend. Uh, and But even if the answer is, you know, question mark for how long did it last, that's interesting too to see because it's not like we, can't choose, you know, we, we can choose to tolerate that or not. And, and I find that people tolerate what they don't want quite a bit. This is how we eat in my family, you know, and I, you know, everyone feels kind of crappy all the time, don't they? You know? right. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm really trying to get people to go, no, this could actually really be good. It could be fun. You really could say no to the things that don't match your criteria, making a lot more room for yes. Yeah. It's, it's really hard sometimes to even know like what is normal even when you see the data, even when you see your own data laid out in front of you, if you don't have a sense of like how that compares with other people, like it could just be that you've been in abusive relationships your whole life and have never realized that like the common denominator is X, Y, or Z. And you just thought that it was either your fault or you, you could have been sourcing from the wrong places, such as like the weirdos you meet at a club. Um, it could be that the things like maybe you grew up in a household where the way that people engaged was so fundamentally different from what is kind of like normal, but it's normal for you because you grew up that way. And so you never knew anything else. And so I, I definitely like this starting point that you have of grounding yourself in kind of what does my overall history look like? And I imagine if you if you're working with a life coach in that case, they're able to quickly notice anything that's clearly aberrant from what they may have seen in past clients or from other people they've talked to including hints about your sexuality and or gender or, you know, like there are, there's gold in them, there hills, you know, <laughs> you'll learn about your parents, you'll learn about your sexuality, you'll learn about your addictions and your codependence and your, you know, gender prep, like all of it. You're going to learn a lot if you do that assignment, honestly, a lot. Yeah. You can't unlearn it. Once you see the chart, right, you mm -hmm. can't unlearn it. Um, and then you can start to ask yourself, so what do I want? in the three H's. What do I care about? I see what I don't want. I see what I don't want to do. I can make rules to subvert that. If I always have sex right away and then I get hurt later, I can make a rule. I don't have sex until we've agreed to be monogamous. That's one of the best rules I give people. And it really works because it forces all the important conversations to happen before you can have sex. And that's what you need. We also have people give ratings to their dates, scale of one to 10 in head, heart, and hoo-ha. So after each date, including a video date, which we highly recommend before you see someone in person, I do not know how people go from text to in person. That seems insane to me, but whatever, I'm old fashioned. So you go to a video date and then you go to a real date, but after each date, you're, you're being honest. What's my rating? Head, heart, and hoo-ha. Now, how do you rate honestly? You have to have a bunch of things you need to know. You have to have an agenda of what you're trying to learn. Do they want to live in New York? Do they want to raise their kids Jewish? Do they like dogs? Do they like the kind of music you like? How much attention do they like? What kind of attention do they like? What broke up their last relationship? 
And if these are not fun and interesting conversations, you got to figure out how to make them fun and interesting because this is the only way you're going to figure out if this person's right for you. Yeah. And is this presupposing that you already have in mind that, oh, you want a person that is right for you potentially for a committed thing? Because I mean, if like, I'll put it this way, like I had um, someone just in the, in the past week, I went on two different dates, each of which was with someone who um, was willing to commit to like a full day or even multiple days of like adventures and wandering around and exploring things, a little bit of like exercise, um, getting outdoors, you know, like committing to that without necessarily having to have any of the conversations of what we actually want from this, what we want from one another. We're simply enjoying the ability to get out and almost like exposure therapy, like see what it is, how you show up without any you know, preconceived notions of what this could or should be. Uh, and I think there's a lot of like, that, that's part of the, I guess the, not the mystery of dating, but the, it, it adds a lot of fun and verve to it because you're not trying to be so heavy handed. So I guess, it, could it be that um, when people are at the stage where they're coming to a life coach that they're like, okay, I've tried the fun part. It's not fun anymore. I want to actually take a structured approach to this. Or do you think that a structured, like, do we have a difference of opinion between you and me on like what the, wh- whether structured is always better? Because I, I'm definitely one who, you know, there's a time and a place when I'll apply structure. Um, and when I'll begin, you know, applying increasingly strict filters, because I'm like, okay, I only have space in my life right now for one like person to fit. And during that phase, I'm looking for exactly the person who fits that as opposed to just kind of like going willy nilly on 10 different people. I think it really depends on your goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, people come to us after they've been sort of playing it by ear, uh, you know, and they want to get serious and they want to produce a result quickly. So I think that, that we have a unique, you know, sort of market, but it's certainly not that we would say everyone should be looking for the one or that our methods only apply when you're looking for the one, because I think they work equally well if you're looking for fun. Mm-hmm. Because the rule is tell the truth about what you're looking for. We don't care. You know, we have no judgment. You know, if you're into whatever you're into, whether you're into poly or monogamy, or you're looking for marriage, or you're just looking for partnership, or you're looking for fun, or you're looking for someone to help you study, you know, like whatever you're looking for is cool as long as you are honest about it. So the real thing we're asking you to do is be clear about your purpose, be clear about what you're looking for. And then what does that mean? Head, heart, and hoo-ha. So mm-hmm. obviously if you're looking for someone who, if you, and if you're younger, if you don't have a biological clock ticking or something like that, you know, you, you have a lot more freedom to just see what happens and make that make that fun. But I also think people who are divorced, you know, or back out on the dating market should, should do a period of play and fun also for sure before they, you know, find their next one, because it is fun to play and learn and grow and try things. But even that requires asking all the right questions, asking the right questions about what the person is looking for. So you don't end up hurting them or getting hurt yourself asking, you know, do we, do we like the same things? Do we have a conversational style that's compatible? Is our financial stuff compatible? If we're going to spend two days together, are we spending thousands of dollars? Are we spending nothing? You know, that needs to be compatible. Um, and then of course in with sex, you know, what does someone expect from sex? What's your STD background? You know, what do you like? If that's not compatible, that's not going to be fun. You know, and these are things that I would always encourage you to find out sooner than later so that nobody gets hurt and you don't waste time or money or energy. But again, if your goal is to truly just follow your nose and see what happens, you know, see what the world serves you up, I I could see where that could be fun, Mm -hmm. limited doses if you don't feel any pressure to get to a certain destination, right? You're just taking a drive to see see the world. Yeah, yeah. What about the people who, and I think this will make a lot of people cringe when I say it, but the ones whose online dating profiles are characterized by the first line saying, I'm equally comfortable going out or staying in. I like to be, I like to laugh and smile, but I also can be sad at times. Like when they, it's clear that they are not capturing anything particularly meaningful about like who they are, what they stand for. And when you, if you're, if part of your approach is trying to understand like, what do you actually want? What do you do to drill in on that? How do you get people, like I have my own approach. Like my goal is always to see like, how do we get you to cry? How do we get you to be like, find the point of your passion that is so intense that if I tried to pull it out of you, you would say, no, you don't get that. That is mine. Like that is part and parcel of who I am. I don't have a great, I would love, now I want to hear your answer, but you know, we have lists, right? You know, 
where you live, what's your religion, what's your finance, you know, all the obvious lists for mm-hmm. head. For heart, I think it does come out in the history. You can start to see what the pe- what people's bugaboos are. And it, as people talk about their relationships and talk about what they struggle with and talk about what's gone wrong, you can start to hear it. Um, and I do believe everybody knows, you know, like I don't think it's a deep, dark mystery, really, what people care about and want. If they believe someone's listening and is really going to take seriously their answer, it doesn't take that many layers to get to somebody's truth about it. But I'm curious what you have found in that inquiry. I mean, I think part of the challenge is that a lot of these things, we don't know what we don't know. And so sometimes it takes a certain kind of experience to trigger that inflection point that teaches us what we actually wanted the whole time. And I'll give an example just to illustrate this. Like last night, I hosted a thing called NYC Salon in Washington Square Park in New York City. We invited about 40 people to come and attend a lecture on self-care. And it was like a wonderful lecture. Everyone's super happy. But the whole time I was there, I guess it's because it's a public space. There's randos coming up every once in a while. The audio quality. I'm sensitive to a lot of different things. So I'm anxious as hell. I'm thinking like, is, can everyone hear okay? I was also recording it. So like, is my audio good? Um, I was worried about mosquitoes. Like my mind was going to a million different things. And I wasn't even quite aware of like just how anxious I was feeling. And if you had asked me like, what do you want right now? I w- maybe my answer would have been like, I want to go home. I just want to be done. I want to go to bed. I didn't sleep well. I would give probably a hundred different answers of what I could want right now. But what ultimately happened, which triggered the inflection point in me, is that someone came up to me and it's someone who, it's like a, a male friend who we have like a really like kind and caring relationship around touch together. Um, and he just put his hands on my shoulders and like applied a kind of like a steady comforting pressure because he sensed that I was anxious. And for me, because touch is my love language, as soon as that happened, every other need that I thought that I had disappeared instantly. And I just entered almost like a Zen-like state where suddenly nothing was the matter. There was an anxiety. And so for me, I learned, I, I've already known this, but I it reinforced in that moment that for me, touch is an extraordinarily powerful grounding feature that makes me feel whole. It makes me feel complete and nourished. It can give me the energy I need to tackle virtually anything. And when it comes to dating, when I did my own assessment, oh man, like the horror I felt when I found out that in 30 years of dating, I've never been in a relationship who's, for whom touch is like giving touch is their love language. That, that's the main way in which they show care and affection. And to find that out as a consultant, that that was one of my blind spots in my own personal relationships was crazy. And so I'd like to think that as much as we try to be able to have an answer to, you know, what do I stand for? What is it that I want most? Sometimes we just, we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes it takes those, you know, transformational experiences to get us there. Um, And so I'm actually curious when it comes to like the variation of, inputs and responses you get from your clients. Uh, Do some people just like know right off the bat, this is what I want. I just don't know how to get it. Or do you frequently have to go through that like teeth pulling process of like, what is it that you actually want? How do you understand that yourself? Like, how do you assess that? How do you know when you're right? I do think it's both. I do think it's both. Um, Different people know each other better. I, I also do think that the more you just even distinguish what these things are, you know, even talk about, well, how much attention or how do you feel loved or how important is sense of humor or how important is the amount of time you're spending? Like Even as you just talk about these things as discrete phenomena that people fight over, get upset over, get hurt over, people, you know, can start to imagine what they actually care about. And then I, I'm going to push them and go, well, are you sure? Like, if you had all of that, would you need a big dick? You know, or if you had all of that, would you like, what what do you really need the most? And Mm -hmm. I do find that most people, most people's desires do boil down to some things that are universal. And I'd be curious to hear if you find this too. People deeply want to be heard, right? They want to be listened to. And that's a skill that none of us are very good at because it means we have to not be thinking our own thoughts at the same time. And that's, you know, very difficult. Um, So that's one thing that I'm finding pretty universal. And that they want someone who wants to root for their dreams, you know, who really wants to root for what they, what's important to them. So to find out what's important to someone seems like a very important thing to always be looking for when you're, when you're on those first few dates and, and seeing if that's a match. Um, and then I think people should take chemistry a lot less personally. My goodness, it'd be nice if everybody just understood that that's kind of 
you know, chemical and idiosyncratic and not take it personally and just keep, just keep going. Right. And, and knowing that with the right person, there really is that un, you know, inexplicable attraction that can't necessarily be defined by a hair color, eye color, body type, et cetera. So I'm curious what you find, if anything is universal and what people are looking for. Yeah. I'm, I just want to, I want to touch on a quick thing you said there, because you said with the right person, it becomes more intuitive and obvious. And I don't necessarily know that that's what I would believe to be true. You know, I frequently think that you can be in front of the right person, but not know how to ask for what you want. But from the moment you do, everything changes. So I I look at this in terms of, um, I think there's, I believe there's a concept called lesbian sheep syndrome in which two sheep, and this is funny as a way of illustrating this, if there are sheep out in a field, you can identify the lesbian sheep because when they see each other, they lock eyes and then they're like, they get so nervous that their legs lock. And so even though they may want each other, they don't know how to engage one another. And so consequently, they, they're just literally the last two sheep in the field stuck there looking at each other awkwardly because they don't know how to signal what it is they actually want. They don't have a script for it. They don't know how to like make the thing happen. And so I found frequently that there are times when you're with someone who could be extraordinarily, like intuitively perfect for you, but maybe you met them at a work thing and you don't know whether you can ask for this to be a little bit more intimate. Uh, Maybe you went on a date or you're actively on a date and neither of you has, like maybe you both have a little bit of baggage that you have to work through and you each think like, well, I might be dating this other person already, but like this person's clearly cooler, but I don't want to like escalate too quickly because we would sh- we should probably talk about that first. Uh, I don't want to like make them have to like be, you know, dishonest or put them in a bad place with their existing partner or partners or, you know, with their existing work obligations. Like maybe this, this night could go in a really sexy, really steamy direction, but it's already 12. Like it's already midnight. They have work at seven. Ugh, like I don't want to hurt their career in order to satisfy the passion. And so I just feel like these kinds of like, it could be your story that you tell yourself. It could be negative self-talk, but things that get in the way of that ability to experience and express genuine connection in that perfect like flow state of compatibility. I see those as being frequent barriers to connecting with someone who could be the one. That's a really great point. And that's another literal skill set that we teach our clients is how do you, we do a whole webinar on this on match, actually, how do you speak the truth, right? How do you bring up a topic? How do you, Mm -hmm. and there's not a thousand, you know, it's like STDs, how fast do you want to go? I live with my parents, you know, I have this disability, you know, it's not like a million topics. There's like 20 that are people's you know, that they get weird about. And one of the main things we have, and we call the paradigm that we use to help people learn how to communicate these difficult, about these difficult topics is grace and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So the wisdom is saying the truth, telling the truth, honoring your own experience. The grace is caring about the other person's experience and doing it in such a way that's respectful to their to their worldview and their perspective. So the first thing we teach people that like, it, it's such a silly hack, but it works so well is you just ask permission. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I'm thinking this, I'm feeling this. Can we talk about this? And would this be an okay time? Right. And then all of a sudden they can say no, in which case you got your answer and you're now in integrity or they can say yes. And now you've got your red carpet to go. Okay, well, here's my perspective. What's your perspective? And if you put it in that way, you know, or, or if you're nervous about something like, Oh, I have to tell you something and this could be a deal breaker. And by the way, I'm watching a friend of mine right now. Who's also a coach go through the first stages of a new relationship. She's on date like six or seven and mm-hmm. it is, just, and she's following the hand down method, which means you tell them <laughs> about everything, right? You do not bullshit. You do not lie. If you catch yourself lying and bullshitting, you go back later and you go, Hey, whoops, I lied, you know? And, and it's so remarkable and beautiful to watch because it's just forcing all the right conversations, right? And what do you have to talk about? You have to talk about everything, your home, your sex life, your money, your parents, your your, your body, your health, your, like all the things that make up life, right? Yeah. If you, if you want to share that life with someone, you got to talk about all of it. Yeah. And, and should that be talked about like with anyone or just the person who are, where you're already getting the, the eyes, you're already getting a sense of like, Oh yeah, this is someone who I actually could see myself escalating with. Because I feel like that's all, these are like heavy conversations. They can be emotionally exhausting. They can be nerve wracking. You don't necessarily know what, like, what content, like, are you doing this in a loud bar? Are you doing this? Yeah, you have, to, you have to want it to work, right? You have to actually think the person's worth investing in, which is, again, what we have you come up with your three H questions, right? What are the questions you need to ask 
these human beings. It's not a million questions. It's like five or 10 for head, five or 10 for heart, five or 10 that you ask yourself about hoo-ha. And it's not a million, but you do have to get to all of them to see if you want to keep going. And then you don't have to do the heart. You don't have to do the herpes conversation. You don't have to do the, I live with my parents or I have a, you know, prosthetic leg or whatever. Like you don't have to do the more awkward ones until you trust the person. And if you don't trust the person, then that heart rating is not an eight or above. Don't bother. Move on until you feel really comfortable with somebody enough to have those conversations. But step one, ask for permission. Step two, admit you might be feeling awkward. Admit something might be hard to say, you know, engender um, compassion Mm -hmm. and then out with your truth and then be a brave soul who can hear the response. And the person's entitled to reject you. The person's entitled to accept you. We have found that honesty always works out for the better. First of all, it's the only way you'll ever feel accepted and loved. Second of all, it scares away the people who aren't the right ones anyway. So we hurry up. We want you to go for within the first three dates, telling all your truths that are hard to say. So you scare them away before you get attached. And certainly if you don't want to get attached, don't have sex. And once you have sex, now you're invested. Now you, now, now you, you feel you have to bet on that horse, even if that horse is not showing up to be the best horse in the race. And so we do believe in taking it slow on the physical level. So you have a chance to really test that trust and that affinity and whether or not all those difficult conversations can happen. There's, there's very few people that don't have baggage or that don't have, there's no people that don't have a dark side, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a dark side and it wouldn't it be cool to see if yours is compatible with theirs early rather than later. I've heard interesting variants on like when it's appropriate to have sex because in some cases, some people will say, I don't want to make sure that our logistics are perfectly aligned prior to knowing about whether I have an intuitive sense of that, like that we have touch compatibility, that we have scent compatibility. Like I don't want to build this superstructure in my mind of how perfectly aligned our lives are and then almost have to gaslight myself when it turns out that our actual sexual dynamic is not great. Uh, so on paper, they're great, but physiologically, I feel terrible. And I literally talked to two people in the last month who specifically said, like, I was on paper dating the perfect person, but I was not happy. I was not fulfilled. I was not actually like attracted to the way the dynamic worked. And so some people will instead subscribe to like, I'm going to put, I'm not going to put any one d- domain on a pedestal, whether sexuality, like heart, head, hoo-ha, you know, they'll just say, I'm going to go all in on all accounts and then make my assessment that way. And it's not. I don't owe someone more sex in the future. So even if we had it on the first date, even if we had it in the first hour, if we then spent the next 25 hours hanging out, talking vulnerably, then like, that's awesome. And we don't feel, we don't have to feel beholden to one another just because we shared a moment. But that is a very interesting way to play it. (laughs) Not statistically likely to work as well as go in this order. (laughs) <laughs> get the head stuff out of the way. You don't need to be deeply connected if the person's leaving town forever the next week. Get the head stuff out of the way. First date, first conversation as much as possible. Then you follow with the heart stuff. Sex is always going to be better if the heart stuff is better. Trust, affinity, respect, communication. I'm sorry. It's universal. That makes sex better under most conditions. I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe some people really want to be taken by a stranger. Fine. Okay. But, but on most counts, heart comes next. Hoo-ha does not need to be delayed indefinitely. We just recommend in order to protect one's heart, you keep it to the side while you build the trust enough, you know, while the other, and that doesn't mean don't see if you have touch compatibility, smell compatibility. You're welcome to flirt, touch, make out in the, in fact, make out in the alley, do everything, get turned (laughs) on, get hot bothered, want to have sex, right? I, I think that's beautiful. I waited six months with my husband and it was brilliant. I, best thing I ever did. Um, the, the he should build if the hoo-ha is there. It should not fade. It should build if the hoo-ha is there. Mm-hmm. I do not buy that you have to have sex to see if the hoo-ha is there. I do not buy that. Totally. I mean, you can, you can just even, I, I found that even through putting your fingertips next to one another, like that's enough to already signal, hey, are we able to get on the same page? Because if we can do it with just our fingertips, then like who knows what we can do from here. It's at least signaling like, there, I mean, there, there may be future hangups we discover that come out only once the pants come off, that kind of thing. But at least getting the first sense of like, if we're making eye contact and our fingertips are touching, is there energy there? Is there a sense of like electric joy? Um, that's oftentimes a really good sign. Like, oh, it's there. We, we can go pretty much anywhere from here, but we started from a really good foundation. 
And then when you have the hang up, if you have the hang up, it's so much easier to talk about it. There's mm-hmm. so much more of a solid foundation of intimacy and connection to build upon. And That's much more likely that you won't have those hangups. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to go back to another thing you said. You mentioned like statistically. I was thinking when someone's going through these questionnaires or they're trying to think like, what are my top five or 10 questions I'd want to ask someone in heart, head and hoo-ha? You know, do you take their five to 10 and compare them against like the, I don't know, like the statistical median five to 10 that everyone not has? Yeah, no, not at all. Because that could be really important. Like, I'm thinking from my perspective, like it could be really important to know um, what are the top 20 reasons why people break up? Because like, if I'm not factoring in things that are clearly like if 90% of people break up for these five reasons and I'm not factoring that in. I'm pretty sure it's sex, money, and (laughs) in-laws. And in-laws translates to all the traits that you have that your parents have, (laughs) as well as the annoyance of your parents in the relationship. You know, what breaks people up? Um, I don't know if that's statistically true, but I think <laughs> from my from my qualitative experience and just di- discrepancies in how people, uh, you know, how people want attention and lying, lying breaks people up. We lie, we lie all the time, mm-hmm. and that is very, very difficult in relationships. Obviously, uh, so I think people break up over over lying yeah, quite I, a bit. I, I, let, let's let's take that in a direction that I think is going to be kind of fun for us because. I find that if you have the sense of like a total checklist of like how much time or how, how many things you want to get like accounted for with someone, then the, if you have like 99 out of 100 and then suddenly one comes up, it almost creates this scenario where you kind of feel pressured to lie because everything else was going so well. You just want to like gloss over that one thing. How do you create that world in which someone doesn't feel as pressured to lie? I'm watching this right now with my friend go through it where it's just, she really, everything's going well. So she really, she does not want to go back to that one conversation about what did you say about the credit card debt or what, what, how are you <laughs> feeling mother or like what, you know, but my context is this. And I really, if there's one thing I could leave people with to really understand is that everybody has a goodie bag. And in that goodie bag is good traits, bad traits, unhappy memories, happy memories, things you're great at, things you're winning at, things you're losing at. There, Everybody has that goodie bag. So the idea that, that you could manipulate your person into loving you by hiding certain things in that goodie bag is so misguided. And it's so sad for humanity because everyone's walking around pretending they don't have a goodie bag when all anybody wants is for somebody to look in our goodie bag and go, I can live with that goodie bag. I can love that (laughs) bag. What's in your goodie bag? It's so much more about finding people whose goodie bags are compatible and where, you know, like I'm a selfish person that's in my goodie bag. That's not a great thing about me. But my husband happens to be a really generous person. So we're actually quite compatible, you know, but he's a bit of a chicken and I'm quite brave, you know. So there, we both have shitty things in our goodie bags, but there's a way in which we found each other to balance each other out, to help heal ourselves, to help heal each other, to work together, to be a team. So the, I just am begging people, stop trying to hide your debt, mm-hmm. your disability, your STD, whatever it is. If it's your person or your people, right? If you're not looking for just one, they get it. They not only get it, they have a, a simpatico thing, right? You're in AA, they have to take care of an Alzheimer parent, right? It's, it's, it's okay. Everyone has their goodie bag. Go yeah. look at people's goodie bags and encourage people to be honest. If you're honest, they're going to be honest. And then exactly. if it's not, a match, it's not a match, not everyone likes pistachio ice cream and that is not personal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I love that you kind of ended with that as, as your, you know, the, the thing you want to shout from the rooftops, because I think that goes right into how we originally connected. We were talking about like, what's an entrepreneurial relationship? How do you find a person who just wants to build something with you and you're good and compatible for the thing that you want to build together? And there's no guarantee of what that thing's going to look like. You don't know. You just want to make sure that you can have total honesty and trust with the people that you're going to build with. And if you have that, if you know that like, this is my ride or die person, then no matter what you end up building, you know, at least you're aligned and able to talk about it, able to pivot when you need to, able to solicit help from your community, from your life coach, from your therapist, from their therapist, you know, in order to make sure that you're building the thing that you both can believe in and stand by. Um, oh, I'm chills. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, Laurie, so much for uh, joining me today. I know we're at the end of our time. Can I tell people how to be in touch with us if they want to be? Absolutely. I was, I thought you'd never, I thought you'd never invite me to ask. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
Okay. So the, the main thing I want to tell people about is something that's pretty new and awesome, which is inner you. That's our entire methodology on a digital platform, uh, self-serve, self-guided audio sessions with Lauren Handel Zander, the woman who coached me and got my head out of my ass, uh, is now available to you. 12 sessions worth of her coaching plus live Q&A calls with a coach practically every week for the rest of your life plus a private coaching session to customize the whole experience to you, plus all of the new content we keep adding over time, plus, plus, plus. It is like the most insane, fun, cool offer that we have. Um, And really, it's for everyone um, because we want everybody to be able to have these tools to not only design their dating life, but all the areas of life, which is, of course, they're all connected. Um, For y'all, normally it's 650 bucks, but you have a discount code, Modern Connection 75. This particular podcast gets 75 bucks off of that. So it's only 575 for you folks. Um, If you put in, and this is good again forever, if you put in that code at registration, Modern Connection 75, you will get it for $75 less. And what you need to do is look at innerU.coach to find out more. And that's I-N-N-E-R, the letter U, dot coach interview.coach. Thank you so much. That is great. I did not even know all of those things were involved in the package that you're looking at now that you're talking about. Um, what about they, if they wanted to talk to you? Actually, I personally, my roster is quite full. The, the best way to get me personally is to, if you join interview actually in the near future, uh, I lead classes within interview. So I uh... take through interview, which is so much fun. It's so cool to do it as a team. As you know, Modern Connection, we need to be seeing each other's eyeballs and and connecting with one another, not just doing it in our own little private offices and homes. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. Um, I We have a, a whole band of coaches, corporate coaches, life coaches at Handel Group, and we do give free consultations about coaching as well. So if somebody's interested in just learning more, you can go ahead and look at handelgroup.com, H-A-N-D-E-L-G-R-O-U-P, and you can get a free consultation to find out about coaching and other you know, live events and weekend courses and all that jazz. Oh, perfect. Okay, thank you so much. That is an amazing amount of resources that people will be able to follow up on. Um, I'm going to follow up too because I, I hear that I may, I may be in the market for a, uh, a coaching session here. So I'm super excited about that. I am super grateful that you took the time today to talk with me. I'm sure there'll be much more to talk about in the future. We could do a bonus episode in the future too to go in depth more on anything that maybe the audience is curious about. Um, so yeah, thank you so much and hopefully I'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. All right, that was my first episode of 2020 for Modern Connection. Uh, Laurie Gerber, once again, fantastic guest. I'm super happy to have gotten the chance to talk to her. Um, I'm curious what you think of different coaching approaches. If you've ever had a coach before, I'd love you to reach out. Steve at dateworking.com, email me. Um, Any future guest ideas you have in mind, definitely let me know. I want to talk to anyone who is really thinking as deeply as they can about the future of how we're going to connect in a digital age, whether it's offline or online. I would just love to know if there's anyone you want to hear from. By all means, shoot me an email, steve at dateworking.com, and I will see you next time. Ooh, I almost forgot. So, Handel Group was super awesome. They offered any listeners of Modern Connection $75 off their new Inner You coaching course. So if you like the ideas that we were talking about today, if you like this concept of just like having a coach support you, get your shit together, um, we now have through Handel Group access to Inner You, which is a subscription course. So you can use the code ModernConnection75 to get a $75 off coupon. And what this course includes. So this is all online. You start off with 12 audio coaching sessions that are recorded by Lauren Zander, who's the founder of Handel Group. You get a private coaching session with an HG coach for, uh, I'm not sure how long it is, but it's one private coaching session, just like the one that I did with Laurie. Um, You get 14 homework assignments, which is their way of getting you to get your shit together. So the one I did was like write out the story of your life and just don't stop until you're satisfied. And I thought that was fantastic. Uh, It got me to really think about the longitudinal arc of my life and where I see it going. And it finally got me to put all my ducks in a row. 
Um, and they also include in this course the interactive promise tracker, which is their way of getting you to accelerate accountability. So like, you, what are the promises you're making yourself and what are the consequences of not fulfilling those promises? Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to have access to this. I'm excited to explore it more myself. Um, you go to hglife.coach and the code to get your $75 off is Modern Connection 75 They're also on Facebook, on Instagram, so definitely follow uh, Handel Group, HG Life Coaching. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to get this started. I am excited for you guys to get to just kind of experience more of what Lauren Zander, the founder, is up to, along with potentially getting access to Laurie Gerber herself, our guest from today. So yeah, by all means, get started today, hglife.coach. It is literally never too early and never too late to get a coach in your life. One of the things I've really been craving this year is mentors and coaches, and I'm surrounded by them, and I'm an idiot for not taking full advantage of all these coaches all around me. I'm glad I got this episode in with an actual life coach. Thank you, Laurie. Um, so now it's your turn. Audience, go forth and find your coach.